Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. When it comes to pain management, there are a lot of different ways to treat these conditions. If you're listening to this podcast, you are suffering from chronic low back pain or specifically sciatica. And there is a lot of different pharmacological, a lot of medications that you can take that would actually help with reducing some of the pain. But the effectiveness can actually be blunted because we might not necessarily have a huge understanding of the medication's role in our recovery. And I met today's guest. A, f- a few months ago, because I was looking for someone who can truly explain the importance and the role of medications when it comes to pain management, and who better to talk about medications than a pharmacist. So on today's episode, I have my good friend, Dr. Matt Mintherell, who is a pharmacist based out of South Carolina. And a few months ago, we actually had the opportunity to get to know each other a little bit more. And after speaking with him, I said, I would love to get him on this podcast, to tell the world about what he's an expert at and how pharmacological, again, medications can actually help with the healing and pain relief process. So Mammon, thank you so much for hopping on today's episode. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your evening because I know that you're out on the East Coast and I'm out on the West Coast. There's a three hour difference. So thank you so much for hopping on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ashley, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And so, Mammon, could you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself, how you got to where you're at today, and we'll, we'll take it from there? Yeah, certainly. So I, um, you know, like many seniors in, in high school, I really had no idea uh, what I wanted to major in once I graduated and, you know, from becoming a senior. And I remember thinking about becoming a dentist. And I actually quickly changed my mind because I, I couldn't foresee myself, you know, looking in the mouths of other people. God bless dentists, all of you out there. I appreciate you. Um, but it just just wasn't for me. So I, I changed my mind in that regard. Um, I, I remember in high school uh, or senior year of high school, I took some uh, I enrolled in ROTC as an elective, uh, JROTC as an elective. And, uh, you know, that training I thought would would make me excited to join the military. And um, I was actually cadet of the year that year, my senior year. I mean, we're talking above people who had been in JROTC for their whole four years of high school. Uh, I was uh, only in in uh, JROTC for that senior year, and I made um, uh, cadet of the year. But anyway, I thought that that would prepare me to join the military and be excited about that. But uh, ultimately, my mom had a decision in <laughs> uh, me not pursuing that route. And, uh, you know, she's a single mom. She's like, no way, no way. Nobody's going to come in here and, and take my baby. So anyway, so I didn't do military. And um, it was an experience, actually. At the time, she was um, uh, she had worked as a pharmacy tech in a community setting. And she used to come home all the time and rave about how much she appreciated the pharmacists that she was working with and how, um, you know, she was knowledgeable. The pharmacist at this time was knowledgeable about you know, so many different things when it came to medications and drug interactions and uh, and whatnot. And so she said, you know, I really do think you could 
uh, you would do well in that field. And of course, there was this motivation uh, related to income. You know, again, my mom was single, single parent. She, you know, raising five kids. And so uh, money to her was important. Um, and so she wanted to make sure that her kids had a, had a viable financial future as well. And so she encouraged me and said, hey, why don't you why don't you try and enroll? And so I did. I uh, applied to Florida A&M University in Tallahassee, Florida. I was accepted. And, uh, you know, really, the, the, the rest is history. Um, uh, my experience, though, at uh, pharmacy school or in pharmacy school, then at that at that time, there wasn't really much prep work in terms of a specialty. Um, you know, pharmacy school, for all intents and purposes, are, is really a catch all. You know, we we focus a lot on the chemistry of drugs. I remember taking organic chemistry uh, one and two. And let me tell you, organic chemistry uh, one man kicked my butt. You know, um, I, I got a C in, uh, or organic chemistry one. And then I did better in organic chemistry too, thankfully. But you know, then I went on to the professional um, aspect of the of my educational career, um, and really started focusing more on again the pharmacology of drugs uh, as as the quote specialty. They don't they don't really teach you in pharmacy school specifically how to manage pain, for example. There's so many disease states out there. Um, you know, people struggling from uh, chronic metabolic syndromes or or even again chronic pain and so we have different we had different courseworks uh, or co courses that helped us along the way sort of again uh, understand the disease state from a global perspective you know what the treatment guidelines if they even existed what they were at that time um and then you know try and apply those to those uh, to those disease states but really the the specialty training typically comes for for me after uh, graduation from pharmacy school. So like many of my uh, colleagues, there's this big push for, for all of us to do residencies um, at the time. And, you know, residencies in hospitals, um, ambulatory care clinics, indigent care, care clinics, you name it. And I remember I applied to four of them. I applied to four uh, VA hospitals. You know, I said to myself, well, you know, if I'm going to go and do a residency, then I'm going to, I'm going to, apply to the VA. I, I, again, I love being in, uh, in connection with um, people of the military. I love working with military families, even to this day. Um, and so I said, if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to do it at the VA. Well, I came really close. It's a very, very, very competitive process um, to get a residency. Uh, and so I came very close, but ultimately I, did, I didn't get accepted. And so my career trajectory was really straight out of college and into the community setting. Um, you know, even though I had a passion for patients with HIV AIDS, um, uh, you know, unfortunately, none of those, none of those panned out for me. Um, and so, I, you know, I went into the community setting, graduated from, graduated from college, went into the community setting and right out of college, they, they set you up right out of pharmacy school. They set you up uh, from, from my experience anyway, as a pharmacy manager. And it's it's a shame because there really is no training on how to run a business. You know, <laughs> again, that's changing now. Now, now, you know, students who are that I've been working with or have worked with in the past, you know, they're dual majors. They're pharmacy students and um, majoring in business administration. So, you know, the, again, the field is changing and, and, and for the better. Um, more of my colleagues are more in that have that more entrepreneurial spirit uh, spirit. And are working um, towards developing their careers and stuff. So, but yeah, that that that's sort of a, a nutshell of my early career 
you know, where I went to school and sort of where I am today. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. What a cool story. Uh, I actually, I actually did particularly well in organic chemistry one. Um, but then I got a little too, uh, a, lo- a little too confident. And so the, the C that I got in organic chemistry was actually organic chemistry too, because I thought I said, so I said to myself, man, I got this, but apparently I didn't. Uh-huh. Um, but, but met much respect to you, um, on that. And you bring up this really interesting concept about, not necessarily getting any sort of business training in 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 school. And uh, for those who are not familiar with the pharmaceutical, like the pharmacist profession, now it's a it's a PharmD, it's a doctorate in pharma in pharmacy, yep. pharmaceutical sciences, right? And so um, with that, we, uh, just like in physical therapy, a clinical doctorate for physical therapy, we're we're taught all the necessary things to keep our patients safe and to take care of them, but we have very little um, to no business training. I remember when I was in school, we probably did one business class where it was like, open up your own clinic. And uh, to hear Mattman say that that's starting to evolve and like having people uh, get those double majors where you're getting combining both uh, the healthcare and business, I think it's really huge because as a result, um, what what you you listeners might have experienced in the past is, when a business isn't run correctly, whether it be healthcare or whether it be anything else, like the service actually in itself isn't as good because knowledge can only go so far, but we need to have that infrastructure for you to be able to get the care that you need. And so I'm really happy to hear that they, they're starting to combine that. And I start to see that in the physical therapy world as well, uh, which is really cool. And um, so, yeah, you you really just jump right in uh, two feet first <laughs> managing yeah. a pharmacy clinic so uh, or, or a pharmacy. And with that, if we look at the, the medical management um, or the, which would medical management not including surgery because surgery is the most invasive it's it's not the conservative measures conservative measures to treat pain like sciatic pain and low back pain conservative measures is through pharmaceuticals and movement therapies like physical therapy and chiropractic care and acupuncture and there are a lot of different classes of medications out there and it's really tough i see it on the facebook groups i see it everywhere else where people are asking me or asking in general, asking the world, well, what's the best type of medication for sciatica pain? And Madman, with your experience in, in, in the pharmaceutical world, in pharmacy, mm. what are some of the commonly used medications that people would use when it comes to addressing pain, but then particularly possibly like the nerve pain, uh, spinal pain, arthritis pain that could come uh, in coincide with sciatica issues? Yeah, you know, and I really have to say too that this this epidemic, if you will, of chronic pain, whether it be sciatica, whether it be chronic pain following a surgery um, or following some type of accident, you know, it it chronic pain, treating chronic pain is very challenging, uh, you know, for a number of reasons. And, you know, my, my experience straight out of, of college, again, I went into that pharmacy, that community pharmacy, gung-ho and just zealous that I'm going to, I'm going to help people regardless of their, their, um, their condition. And I, I really did have a rude awakening uh, when it came to specifically to patients with chronic pain, because there's, there's all this stigma, you know, surrounded 
by uh, patients who take chronic pain medications. For example, patients who take oxycodone, um, patients who might take um, Illyrica, Lyrica or Pregabalin to help with nerve pain. Um, there's all of this, again, this stigma because these substances are controlled substances. They're, you know, they're highly regulated. And so for me, I remember stepping into that pharmacy as a brand new grad, a pharmacy manager. I've got a team now. I've got to manage a whole pharmacy that I'm responsible for. And it was right in the middle of the opioid epidemic. And so, you know, I, I remember having to turn people away, bringing in prescriptions because maybe their doctor was, you know, in concert or associated with some sort of pill mill, for example. Um, and so, you know, my experience, unfortunately, was a little bit jaded early on uh, when it came to, again, treating, pe treating patients with, with pain uh, or with chronic pain. And so, you know, seeing those prescriptions come across the proverbial desk, um, it more so came, came down to, well, how do, I, how do I help this individual? But then also, how do I help on a broader level the community if they are diverting? Um, and then how do I protect my license? So this is a lot of this is a lot for a new grad to think about. Um, and, you know, even today, there really isn't a lot of uh, guidance around treating patients with chronic pain. You know, there are some organizations out there doing some work to try to help change that. But, you know, because chronic pain syndrome is so sub it really is a, a subject subjective, um, you know, you know, field or sub subjective uh, field of medicine. You know, they ask the question, well, how's your pain on a scale from one to 10? Well, I mean, to me, it's a 10, but to somebody else, it might be a five or to somebody else, it might be a 20, you know? And so that level of, of subjectivity involved in treating pain is, is, is again, another one of those barriers um, that we as practitioners uh, must be cognizant of when, when we approach a patient um, or have a conversation with a patient who is struggling uh, with chronic pain. And so I, I recently joined... Um, the uh, great group of people, uh, the Functional Wellness Network to help educate patients and help them obtain access to really invasive and affordable testing methods um, to show how well our body is able to recover um, from chronic pain or from chronic disease states based on their antioxidant levels. Um, and how well are they currently functioning? Uh, how well is their, their, their system that controls their antioxidant levels? Um, how well is it functioning? And so, you know, using these this non-invasive and affordable method, I might be able to share that with you here in a little bit. We've talked about it previously, um, but for me, this is a this is an important first step because it's a way for us to to analyze. Because unlike, you know, conditions like diabetes or conditions like um, you know hypercholesterolemia, there again there there is no assay to my knowledge that that says. Well, this is the level of pain you're in because, you know, blood levels are doing such and such that that type of test doesn't exist. So how do you how do you measure someone? How do you get a get some insight uh, into what's happening on, a, you know, on a microscopic level in their body? That's that's causing this pain again, following a surgery or following some sort of uh, accident or, um, you know, whatever might have happened in their life. And, uh, you know, again, get to that level to begin treating them. So I, I, don't, I can continue. If the, I don't know if that answers your question. 
That answers it perfectly. What you brought up a very interesting point, um, like really early on in, in what you were just saying, where um, you know, I started off with a question. I was like, well, what are some common like common medications that people use like when it comes to treating something like sciatic pain? And you brought uh, what you said was was very intriguing because this is actually how I treat my clients as well. But you actually ended up asking like before saying like, oh, this is like X, Y, and Z medications, like treat X, Y, and Z, you actually listed, I think like five or six different questions um, about like, even before saying like, this is what we could do. And I think, especially when it comes to something so subjective, as you said, such as pain, Mm -hmm. uh, asking the right questions and having to ask Mm -hmm. more questions and getting more information to get a better understanding of what is the best route for that person uh, is really key um, when it comes to managing. Because um, in for, for you listeners out there, the education that pharmacists go through, physical therapists, chiropractors, doctors, um, we're, we're all trained in the sciences, but really what the education and what our profession does and, and, and drives to is being clinical decision makers. And yeah. being clinical decision makers, we have to get the necessary information to make yeah. the, the best decision possible for our patients. And you can't get the necessary data unless you ask the right questions. And this brings me to a a very big actionable step for for you listeners out there. If you're going to a physical therapist, a chiropractor, or even a doctor, and if you notice that they're asking you very little to no questions based off of what you're feeling, then they probably already have some sort of preformed diagnosis in their head. And it, it is going to limit their ability to treat you. And to Mattman's point, it is hard because with something so subjective, you can't say this is scientifically happening on a cellular level, which is causing the pain. And to inform you listeners out there, there's three there, there's three types of mechanisms for pain. And what I've learned in my, when, when I would take my pharmacology classes in school was that each one of these medications that are prescribed, that kind of actually like fit um, along these three different types of pain mechanisms. But uh, I do have to clarify that pain is a subjective experience, but really pain is an electrical signal that goes from whatever body part and gets processed in your brain. And your brain actually has to perceive that information. And I can be perceived as a normal sense of touch, or it can be perceived as something that is actually causing harm. And um, there, there, there's three major mechanisms for, for you listeners out there. We have our nociceptive pain, which is called what, what we call like our tissue pain, where our tissues, uh, once you injure it, there's inflammation and it actually irritates the nerves. And that's where you experience the pain. Um, would you say like when there's inflammation, Mattman, that when people are going through extreme levels of inflammation, that, uh, some, some common things that people would take would be like some sort of anti-inflammatory. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we, we know that those drugs, you know, anti-inflammatory medications, ibuprofen, um, you know, celecoxib or Celebrex, those medications have so many side effects, you know, uh, there's, again, there's this, there's this wave of, um, I, I think that pharmacists, a lot of us really are waking up to the idea of, and the importance of, um, understanding what's happening on a on a you know micronutrient level, for example. Um, so when you look at a patient's um, infl- inflammatory response, 
to, uh, to their condition, how well their body is able to manage that inflammation, um, either with or without some form of, of medication being on board. You know, and, I, and, and let me back up, too, because I really think it's important to understand, for me anyway, and maybe for your listeners, that you know, I, I view pain uh, or experience with pain as a hill. Um, you know, at the bottom of the hill, you have your your experience, right? Your initial experience. Again, it could be a, a trip and a slip and a fall. It could be a a surgery. Um, it could be, you know, really whatever whatever circumstance causes you now to to have an experience with pain. Okay, so that's at the bottom of the hill. And then I think the patients sort of begin to climb that hill towards recovery. At about a, about the quarter of the way up the hill, they are they're they're still struggling with this. Um, you know, coping, struggling with how to figure out how to cope with this chronic, this chronic pain um, that now they've maybe experienced for two months. Maybe they've experienced for six months. Maybe they've been struggling with it for a whole year, multiple years. And so they're they're at the they're at that they're at the quarter of the way of the uh, up the hill, and they're still learning to cope, learning to deal with the stigma around this chronic condition that just won't go away. It's not like it's not like, again, diabetes or some of your metabolic syndromes where, you know, some good diet and exercise can help, you know, go a long way in improving outcomes. But when you talk about chronic pain, man, I mean, it, it's it's and you, you talk about going through rehab. It's important for people to connect with folks like you, Ashley, frankly, who uh, who are looking outside of the the pharmaceuticals, because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, pharmaceuticals. And, and I think this is this is where I was going when I when I talk about this this um, step on the hill or this level of the hill that patients with chronic pain struggle with, pharmaceuticals really act as a Band-Aid. Um, and, and, and I think it's important for providers, it's important for patients to know that these things, these pharmaceutical drugs don't cure your pain. They really mask a symptom. And so it's important for us as providers to come back and say, well, what are some non-pharmacological ways that we can we can help our patients overcome um, their pain. And again, it's going to be subjective to them because everybody's going to be on that on a, uh, at a different point on that hill. So at, at about half the way up at, you know, on that hill, um, maybe the pain has been alleviated to a degree now that the patient can begin to work, uh, work out, uh, you know, maybe do some small um, rehab steps. Again, working with you, you're the expert here on that, working with you, working with um, you know, a chiropractor working with somebody who can, again, look non-pharmacologically um, to to work, you know, to to continue to help them climb that hill to recovery. And then now they're at the top of the hill. They've got all of their providers in. It's a it's a multiple discipline, um, really, really should be a multiple discipline um, process. You know, you've got pharmacology on board. That's great. You've got somebody like you, a, 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 a trained um, specialist in physical therapy, uh, doctorate, you have a chiropractor on board, whatever is, is going to be in your, in your niche as a patient that you, that you feel you need, and maybe your other providers feel you need, you include all of those perspectives in the treatment of chronic pain. And then you help that patient toward, um, toward healing. And one thing that I'd wanted to mention, you know, when it comes to this, uh, you know, measuring your micronutrients, for example, there are you know, a good friend of mine, Dr. Brittany McCoy, I believe you met her. Uh, again, she's a part of the Functional Wellness Network as well. She she uh, made me aware of this website that, that can actually tell you if your current medications are um, 
causing you, for example, to have some type of chronic pain. Uh, you know, maybe you have diabetes and so you're on metformin. Well, metformin reduces your vitamin B12 and vitamin B12 is important for nerve function. So, you know, you, you take these medications to hopefully help alleviate, you know, metformin to help alleviate blood sugar. Blood, if your blood sugar is elevated, then you're going to have you're going to have uh, nerve pain. So you take the metformin to reduce your sugar. Hopefully that the nerve pain will go away. But in actuality, the metformin is reducing your B12 and also causing further damage to your nerves, to your nerves. And so understanding the importance of micronutrients, man, is it's a, again, it's growing and more, more of my colleagues are, um, you know, are aware of this and are jumping on this, uh, jumping on board to help our patients look outside of those drugs that have been, or, you know, drugs, pharma, pharmaceuticals that have been traditionally used to treat chronic pain. But my, you know, micronutrient deficiency is a conversation that we all need to be having with our patients. Um, you know, I, again, I can just, just to mention another one, magnesium, for example, magnesium is again, another one of those uh, nutrients that's important for nerve health. So for somebody like somebody with sciatica, you know, how, well, are you going to measure their, their, their magnesium levels on a regular basis? Is there even a standard for that? You know, what's the scientific evidence behind that? You know, what, what are we doing to, to look at some of these things to say, well, it's more than just the pharmaceuticals. We really have to get down to the, to the, um, the, you know, the nuts and bolts, if you will, of treating our patients um, outside of, you know, just pharmaceuticals. So. I love that. It, it makes me, and was great because prior to this call, I send you a whole bunch of questions that I thought would be great. But now after hearing more of this, I'm like, okay, well, maybe we'll change the direction of today's conversation. Because I think a large part of it is the fact that, yeah, there is a place in, in the world for, say, from like a pharmacological medication standpoint. But you make a really good point about the concept about how these pain medications, like specifically from a pain management standpoint, uh, is going to be putting like somewhat of a Band-Aid and that there are many things that we have to look at. Uh, in a multi-level, multi as you said, you were talking about how metformin can actually reduce vitamin B12 levels, and that's going to further uh, affect nerve nerve function. And so this brings to mind, it was like the big question, you said this in, uh, a couple of times already, was the concept of the use of like antioxidants and micronutrients and how that actually facilitates it. And from a physical therapy standpoint, I look at, okay, well, we have these three major pain mechanisms. We have general inflammation, the nociceptive system. We have peripheral nerve injury where you're actually injuring the nerves themselves. And then the third one, which often gets overlooked is what we call the central nerve, central nerve lesion. And that's also like in the, uh, and that, and that's what happens in the brain, the central nervous system. And we're looking at all three of these components and they don't act independently of each other. They're all a combination. And so mm. my interpretation when it comes to the implementation of medications is trying to hit some sort, like trying to hit one of those specific pathways. But in the reality, as you said, when it comes to micronutrients, comprehensive, comprehensive treatment and having a team management platform, you can't just address one specific thing at a time. They're not at working independent of each other. And so, um, it's, it's really exciting to hear. So like when it comes to antioxidants, cause I think antioxidants was like a super buzzword back in like the early nineties and it's starting to come back again. Like I, I use, I use antioxidants as my excuse to drink excessive amounts of coffee, right? Because they say <laughs> coffee has a bunch of antioxidants. I said, well, I'm going to drink as much as I can before 2 PM, but tell us a little bit more about like the role of antioxidants, like from, from, 
from your standpoint and, and why do you think it's so amazing? And, and I'm really more so saying like, I know it's amazing. I want you to tell the rest of the world and why it's so amazing versus like, sure, yeah. You know, so, yeah, certainly. Yeah. And, you know, and, and again, I, I think, um, again, a lot of my colleagues have put forth uh, this work again, not just colleagues in the pharmacy world, but also uh, in the, in the, you know, physicians in the medical, medical uh, doctors, um, people who see patients on a, on a daily basis and help them through this, you know, like you mentioned, antioxidants was a buzzword. Um, and to some degree it still is because there's, there's really this, this, uh, this education that needs to happen around what, what the heck is an antioxidant to begin with. Um, and so, you know, the specific types of antioxidants that I'm referring to, um, are those things known as carotenoids and, um, carotenoids are found in those, those uh, foods that are bright in color, you know, um, you know, we always say, you know, you want to eat the rainbow when we talk about putting on board or putting on your plate. And there's some really, there's some really beautiful plates out there on Instagram of people who are eating the rainbow, uh, you know, not Skittles, not like tasting the rainbow, but, you know, eating the rainbow in terms of, you know, their dark colored greens, their, um, their, uh, their orange foods, their purple, purple uh, cabbages, you know, those types of things. And really what they're doing is fueling their body with antioxidants. Um, and so let, let's take a step back. So what are antioxidants? Uh, from, a, from a general perspective, you know, for your listeners, antioxidants are those things that help protect your cells from decay. Um, now we all age, we're all gonna, you know, we don't, I don't think anybody's figured out that magic pill yet that, uh, that'll make you live forever. So we're all gonna, you know, approach uh, the end of life uh, gracefully, hopefully. but um the the antioxidants what they do is they 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 encircle your cells and they help protect your cells from free radicals and the only way to get antioxidants or a major way to get antioxidants is by oral consumption again in your foods um and then another way is by way of supplementation um and and Ashley you know this um you know when a lot of times when we eat our foods today unfortunately they don't have the uh, the power that they need in terms of the their antioxidant potential just because of environmental factors, uh, mass production of, of foods. Uh, you know, so by the time it gets to us, it's maybe it's picked too early. You know, you, you, you think you're going to get some benefit from that carrot that you're going to eat. Well, maybe that carrot was picked too soon. And so it doesn't really have or pack the needed nutrients. It's still good that you eat it. Right. You still want to go ahead and consume it as long as you don't have any allergies and whatnot. But the point is, you still need to be looking at at uh, supplementation. And so, um, you know, I, again, I mentioned earlier that I, I joined forces with a good group of people, um, again, doctors, pharmacists, uh, chiropractors, um, you know, people who own med spas, who, who see the value and the benefit of supplementation in the life of their patients and the people that they help and that they see on a daily basis and how these these um, these antioxidants help, for example, help your body better fight that inflammation um, that you might be having, that chronic inflammation that you might be having. Um, you know, antioxidants help you recover from uh, from sickness faster because, again, your cells are protected from those free radicals. It acts as a as a barrier, a wall around your cells, you know, on a microscopic level, and it gives you that ability to fight off um, foreign invaders. Gives you that ability to, again, to reduce your inflammation. So all of these things that we're talking about today, we're talking about, you know, and, and our focus is on pain. And I know your, your folks are tuning in on this podcast because, you know, maybe they're looking for some answers on how to better 
better handle, how to better deal with their pain. I can't stress enough how well and how important supplementation is to that process. You know, again, I mentioned earlier about that hill, you know, viewing chronic pain as a hill. Somewhere along that hill, you know, on the on the de- the descent down, supplementation needs to be a conversation that we have um, as an ongoing because we're talking about all natural products that and, and all natural methods um, to help patients back or get back to health. Because what we don't want, you know, is we if we lean in on those controlled substances, the other thing that we have to think about is the risk of, you know, addiction. And boy, we can have a whole conversation about that. Um, but, you know, all of these things need to be taken into account when we're talking about treating patients with chronic pain, treating patients with chronic metabolic syndromes. Um, you know, supplementation is a big part of, of, our, of our health and how we walk back towards being our, our healthy selves. And if we're looking at the concept of chronic pain, folks, if like Westerners out there, when you're experiencing pain for a long period of time, like the medical term for chronic is going to be three months or more. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, is that when you're experiencing pain for that long, is that it influences every other aspect of your life. Like if you're in pain, you won't be able to exercise as, as much or as, as effectively as you would like to. And it's going to end up resulting in a reduction in your energy. Your body's going to be stiffer. And then you combine that with, the pain that you're going through, all of a sudden your energy levels go down. You end up eating less vegetables because it's a lot easier to order takeout and eat or eat all of those easily accessible foods. But one of the things is the fact that if you're not having control and you're not getting this, these nutrients, particularly the antioxidants, then it, it's going to be just another big step that you have to overcome um, through that. And I think one of the, one, as you were telling me about this, I was thinking, well, it doesn't really sound like antioxidants really have too many side effects either. Cause like, if, especially if you're looking at pain medication, there's a lot of side effects. Like if you're, you're looking oh, at, man. you know, taking something like a, a nerve, a nerve, a, a muscle relaxant, right. You're going to be sluggish and you're going to be exhausted. And, and, and I mean, the only side effect of eating antioxidants or taking oxygen supplementation, the only side effect is that you're going to feel amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we want to be sensitive, right? Because again, people, some people have allergies, right? So yeah. we, we do want to be sensitive to that. Um, you know, somebody might have an allergy to, to spinach, um, or if they're taking drugs like warfarin, then they have to be careful consuming their, their dark greens because, you know, then that, that can change their, uh, what's called an INR, which measures, um, you know, how thin your blood is or how, how easily you'll bleed. Um, you know, if you were to get a cut or something like that and patients who were taking warfarin, they know this, um, they know this very well and they're probably not in their head as they're listening. But, you know, so we do we do want to be sensitive to that um, when it comes to, you know, consumption of these things. And, you know, it really it's about balance. You know, we here in America, we are balanced. We're, we're unbalanced when it comes to our our diets, man. I mean, we we lean more on the fried foods. We lean more on the processed foods, you know, um, you know, my pantry, for example, very, very few. I mean, I have, I have, you know, two boys. And so, you know, sometimes we do, we do buy things that are quick and, and I get it right. That that's just the nature of, that's just the nature of life here in America. It's go, 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 go. Sometimes you do have to, uh, and you know, parents can attest to this, have to give in some time and buy some things like, you know, Teddy Grahams, for example, you know, but the point is to limit those processed foods as much as possible because 
you're literally getting no nutritional value from them. You know, they're, they're chock full of carbs, chock full of sugars and, you know, very little B12, you know, for example, or folic acid uh, or vitamin C, you know, all of these things that we need. So, you know, um, it's important. Yes. And, and I, I won't make the claim that that there aren't necessarily any side effects, because, again, it's going to be individual. Um, but the, the, the goal is to get the patient to to move back towards the center. Uh, when it comes to consumption of these antioxidants, when it comes to consumption of these supplements, you know, get your vitamin C, again, your B12, your vitamin K's, your folic acids, your lutein's, your lycopenes, get all of these things that your body needs and your brain need, needs, um, you know, in order to feel healthy overall. Um, and yeah, and then you can hopefully start to move away from, from those uh, chronic pain medications like, oxy, again, the oxycodones, the uh, anti-inflammatory drugs that that upset the GI tract, um, you know, and get, again, just get back to get back to normal health. And like you said, when you start to feel better, there's this natural tendency to go, well, I don't need this today. I don't I don't need this. Hopefully I don't need this pain medication today. Now, if you're taking something that has a high abuse or, or a high addictive potential, again, like the oxycodone or the narcotics and or, or you know, or whatnot, um, you know, then that that's a different conversation that you need to have with your physician and your pharmacist and whoever else is on your team to help get you, you know, weaned off of those things. Or if you're, you know, if you're a patient who's taking uh, chronic steroids, for example, um, uh, you know, prednisone, you know, some people, again, take take those things to help with chronic pain or inflammation and whatnot. If you're if that's you, you know, just know that there is a way for you to to improve your health again, by, by, by way of supplementation, um, and, uh, you know, getting these, getting these, these foods ingested, uh, so that you feel better overall. Right on, man. Right on. So, I mean, I think a large part of it, um, now listeners interviewing Matt Minn today and taking a deep dive into some of the medications and learning all about the magic of the, the use of antiacid carotenoids, and then also even the supplementation standpoint, um, this isn't to negate any of the things that your medical professional has to say. Right. To you. Uh, in fact, really our goal is to help inform you so you can ask the right questions and so you can be an advocate for yourself so you can get the best care possible. And to Mattman's point, uh, it's all about balance because if we're looking at our health, our health is on a spectrum. Let's say one side of the spectrum is sickness and you want to get out of that sickness part. So you can sit right in the middle, maybe beyond the middle where we're going on the wellness standpoint. But then we also have to be careful. I'm not going on the complete opposite end of the spectrum of doing way too many things that we consider healthy to put ourselves in some sort of unhealthy position that can actually put ourselves uh, at, at risk. And so being able to look inside and see what is going to serve you the best, that is going to be really, really huge. And understanding that it is a team effort. And, you know, going into this conversation, I was thinking about how, how can we actually start tying in the concept of, of pharma, pharmaceuticals um, in the pain management standpoint. Now, myself as a physical therapist, my job is to not tell you what medications to take. That is outside the scope of my practice. That's where we're looking at the role of an MD, a medical doctor, a DO, any of those folks who are licensed and trained to prescribe medications. 
And it is important for you to be able to communicate with your medical professional throughout this entire process because it is a team effort. As Mattman said, it's a collaboration of um, it's a collaboration of professionals where everyone here is working to help you specifically. And a large part of it is to make sure that you are having the right supplements, the right chemicals, whatever, and also even the right treatment to make sure that you are nice and healthy. So Mattman, this has been an amazing conversation that we've had today. As I said before, I was going into this with the ultimate goal of actually helping the listeners who are experiencing sciatica pain learn a little bit more about the different medications that can be used to help treat their pain. But going in through this, we realized and, and learned that there are many different ways for us to address this pain. And my expertise is from a movement and uh, say like a movement and lifestyle standpoint, but with your experience of being in the pharmacy industry and seeing the complexities of, of pain management and how it is so hard and challenging to be able to quantify the effectiveness of pain, but then also leading to the point where you came across the magic, not magic, it seems kind of like magic, but the power <laughs> yeah. of antioxidants and even the, the, the use of supplements as well. So thank you so much for being able to take the time out of your day to share this with, with our listeners I want to give this, give you an opportunity to tell the audience like what you've been working on, um, uh, on your end and how, and how you can help people. Certainly. Yeah. So, uh, thank you, Ashley, again. And it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Um, and you know, right now I'm, I'm really uh, focused in on, you know, a number of things, primarily, uh, you know, my, I have a podcast out the mindful farm D podcast. If your listeners are interested in that, we talk there about, um, you know, mental health topics, uh, mindfulness, obviously, for the namesake podcast. And, you know, it, and and hopefully it's a way for us to have these conversations about mindfulness, but also a way for, for me as a pharmacist to um, uh, help patients understand that there's more to us than just, you know, as they say, lick, stick and pour. OK, <laughs> we, we are knowledgeable. Um, there are a lot of my colleagues out there who um, who see patients on a regular basis. Um, and so, you know, for example, I've had one colleague on who's into pharmacogenomics. And so and, and that's a whole conversation that we could have. Um, but if you're interested in that kind of thing and want to know what that is, go check out the season one of my my episode, uh, my podcast, the Mindful PharmD podcast. Um, and actually, I'm in the process of, uh, you know, releasing episodes for um, season two. And, and so, you know, if you want to get caught up on that, certainly check that out. Um, outside of that, you know, folks can can check me out on Instagram at the mindful farm D. Um, and that's mindful with one L I had somebody say to me, Oh, you spell it with one L. Yeah. I mean, that's how you spell mindful. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so the, the mindful farm D and then also, you know, you can check out my website, Dr. Mattman Harrell.bio.link, uh, Dr. Mattman Harrell, all one word dot bio dot link. And though that will have all of the the projects that I'm working on, anything you want to click into and connect with me, um, they can do it via those means. So, Fantastic, folks. I'm actually going to put all of uh, Matt and Harold's 
uh, information, his website, his podcast, all in the description of today's episode. So if you want to get in touch with him, check that out. Uh, I want to share with you one quick story about my amazing experience with the pharmacist. Um, earlier this year, I actually had uh, two really bad allergic reactions. I had one allergic reaction to uh, a series of bug bites when I was in Florida. It was so bad that I actually had to take a week's worth of prednisone to bring down all the swelling and, and, and calm that down. That was probably the first time that I've taken prednisone and, and, and probably forever. And so, um, so I did that, uh, spoke with the pharmacist, wanted to make sure that I was doing everything correctly and I wasn't putting myself in harm's way. And then yeah. the, but the, the, my favorite interaction with the, the pharmacist this year was when I actually had an allergic reaction to mango. And oh, wow. I had an allergic reaction to mango. So I, I spoke with uh, the physician via telehealth and I went to the pharmacy and I was just in casual conversation saying like, oh, I had like an allergic reaction. I'm not really sure what I had. And being that I'm not from Florida and this was like a Floridian mm. pharmacist, she was like, oh, you probably had mango. And that's probably why. And she walked me through the entire allergy reaction process and then yeah. really just helped me get really a, a ton of peace of mind on how to manage that. So that was, that was really cool. And um, yeah, you, you pharmacists do some really great work and, uh, and I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to meet Matt and, and again, Amen. thank you so much for your time. Amen. Yeah, man, no, no doubt, uh, Ashley. And, you know, I look forward to staying connected with you, man, and seeing your practice grow. So uh, yeah, you know, look forward to, to speaking with you again in the future. Fantastic. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.